Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. This episode is called The Foolishness Solution. And this one is hard for me to deliver and hard for me to listen to because I am in constant need of a foolishness solution. Have you ever said anything or did anything and as soon as you said it or did it, you knew very good and well you shouldn't have and you just feel like a complete fool? Well, there's a reason we do that and in this episode, we are going to explore that reason and get to the bottom of the foolishness solution. Well, it's great to see everybody. I am so glad that you have taken this time to log on to Budge. This is going to be a fun episode. Uh, I don't know how many of you read the description, but the, the t- I don't know how many people read the description or if they just, you know, see the notice for Budge and then log on, you know, or however that works. But the title of this is The Foolishness Solution. And in the description, I posed some questions that I think all of us probably can identify with. It'd be kind of be interesting to see, you know, how people respond to this. I know when in person, when I've asked these questions, I get a lot of decent responses. Not that we're proud of the responses, but nonetheless, it is what it is. But uh, so have any of you ever, if you have, just give me a thumbs up or raise your hand or something, you know, if I can see your face there. Um, Have any of you said anything ever in your life and as soon as you said it, you really wish bad that you wouldn't have said it. Anybody? Okay. Or if you're like me, it's not even after you say it. It literally is while you're saying it, you're, you're thinking, I really should not be saying this. But somehow, some way, it just kind of works its way out, you know. Uh, have you ever been in a room with somebody, or maybe this has even been you, and you've been complaining about something and somebody comes in and they go, well, wait, 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 wait. Did you know that? And then they explain to you the rest of the story. And then you go, oh yeah, no, I really didn't. No, I really didn't know that. Well, exactly. Because we jump to conclusions without understanding the full story. And you just kind of feel like a full eye. I see some hands. So I know that, you know, we've been there, done that. Have you ever in your life jumped to conclusions about a person or situation or circumstance ever everybody have you ever made an assumption about what someone said or did and you did not have all the information only later to find out when you got the information that your assumption was grossly incorrect absolutely this is kind of a new one. This happened to me even just this morning. It didn't happen to me, but I was on a conversation with somebody that they described this situation that happened in their team. Have you ever made an accusation? And then later you found out that you really did not know the whole story. And it's too late because you already made the accusation. Absolutely. So here's the deal. Every single one of those scenarios is just foolishness. And we end up looking and feeling extremely foolish. And what I want to talk about today is the solution to that. And you already might be way ahead of me figuring out what the solution is. You're probably you're thinking, well, the solution is just keep your mouth shut. Not really. Not really. Because you can still say something. You can still respond but you have to know the information in order to make sense in order for it to be 
wise. Now, the dictionary definition of the word foolishness is lack of good sense or judgment. And that's exactly what all of those scenarios are. It's just a lack of good sense and a gross lack of judgment. To me, it would be like going to the doctor. You know, you got this abdominal pain. You got this, this, this really sharp pain in your gut. And, you know, maybe it's been there for four or five days or whatever. So finally, somebody talks to you and go to the doctor. And you go to the doctor and, and, and you're in the office there and you're sitting there and, you know, you're in your you're in your gown that they give you, which is, is really uh, very comfortable. And you're, you're, you're sitting there waiting. They come in, the nurse comes in, takes your vitals, and then they leave and they say, okay, doctor, be with you here in just a little bit. And, and a little bit turns into like 20, 30 minutes and you're waiting. And then the doctor comes in the whole time you're in pain. And the doctor comes in and says, uh, so I understand you have some pain. It says here on the chart, you've been having some pain there in your, your abdominal area. And you go, yeah, just right here in my gut. And, uh, I, and to be honest with you, doc, I, I don't know exactly where it is, uh, but I know that it's been hurting here for four or five days. And the doctor stands there and looks at you and goes, well, all right, uh, here's the diagnosis and explains to you what the diagnosis is. And here's your prescription. You can go get some medication for this right now. And you're just looking at them and you're thinking, you didn't even ask me any questions. You have no idea exactly what's going on. You just made the diagnosis and you just prescribed something and you still don't have all the information. My guess is if that happened, you would be ticked that you would not be going back to that doctor because you want that doctor to ask questions. You want that doctor to gain some sort of understanding as to what's going on before they diagnose and before they prescribe. This is the deal. You ever tried, you ever tried to fix something and you did not have the instructions and you thought, I'm just gonna go ahead and try to fix this anyway, only to find out later that you fouled it up even worse at what it was in the first place. That has happened to me so many times that I don't even care to talk about it. You ever, the NFL season has started and the universe is finally back in order. So football season just started. Saturday, we got college games. Sunday, we've got uh, NFL games. Thursday night, we have NFL games. Friday night, we got football games. I'm telling you, four out of seven nights of the week, it's football. But I guarantee you this. Already, there have been people sitting at home, uh, watching television, making better calls for that team than the coach on the field could make for that team. And we call this armchair quarterback. I call it armchair coaching because we think we know better than the person on the field. No, we don't know better than the person on the field because a person on the field has a lot more information and a lot more data and a lot more understanding of what's going on than we do because out of a 2,000 pounds of information, we maybe have two pounds of information and yet we're trying to make the call. So here's another phrase. This comes up a lot. Well, if I were the blank, then I would blank. Now, we say that all the time. Well, if I were the boss, I would, we describe how we would handle the situation. If I was the leader, then here's what I would do. I would, and then we describe, you know, what we think would be the greatest solution ever, right? This has happened all during 2020. It's happened forever. It happens constantly. If I was the president, I would, and we explain we don't know what we would do if we was a leader, the boss, or the president, because we do not have the information that the leaders, the bosses, and the president, and the coaches have, but yet we think we know what we would do. This, this is the best one. 
well, if I was that kid's parent, I would blank, 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 blank. If I were the blank, then I would blank. Okay, now, who knows how to raise kids better than anybody else? People who don't have kids. They're the ones who know how to raise kids better than anybody. They don't have the frame of reference. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the information that we have as parents, but, but they really know how to raise kids. No, it's just simple foolishness. It is not good sense, and it is an extreme lack of judgment. You can't even make a judgment because you don't have very much information. So I got, I got three kids. Deb and I have three kids, and um, my, my kids are very, very active. They, as, they were very active kids, and it was a little nonstop at our house. And, and whenever they're over here now with their kids, it still is pretty nonstop. So we, we grew up, you know, I, I, my, my, when my family, when their kids were still home, there were five of us and four of us are ADHD. So uh, it doesn't really matter which one is not, but I can just simply tell you, you know, be praying for my wife. So when you have four ADHD people in a household of five people, I'm telling you, it's active. And it, we would hear this all the time from people who, did not understand ADHD or did not understand active kids. I call it active. I don't always refer to it as ADHD. I call it active because it's active. But anyway, that we'd hear this all the time. Well, I tell you what I would do. Well, I would do this. Well, I would do that. And sometimes you just want to hand them your kid and go well, here, then go do it. A few things going to work. And I'm telling you, never one time did anybody ever offer any kind of solution or any kind of advice that we hadn't already tried or heard that didn't work. You see, and never one time does somebody say, well, I'll tell you what I do. And we go, oh, yeah, well, I never thought about that before. It's just, it, 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 you don't have all the information. But yet we try to make these decisions and we try to jump to conclusions and we try to, we make these accusations and then, you know, we make these assumptions of things that are going on. So what is the solution to all of that foolishness? That's why I call this the foolishness solution. So here it is, quite plain and quite simple. It is really taking time to understand. Take time to understand. I, I ask this question often, and it's always a fun one to play with, right? How many of you want to be wise? How many of you want to be wise? I have never asked that question. And Hanny may go, yeah, I don't think so. Everybody wants to be wise. Everybody wants to attain to some sort of wisdom. What I have learned is that wisdom and understanding are so closely linked that you literally cannot separate the two. So it is wise to understand. Therefore, it is foolishness to act in ways uh, in, in which you don't understand. That would mean jumping to conclusions, or that would mean making accusations. That would mean assuming something that you don't have all the information for. That's just foolishness. And so Taking time to understand and wisdom is so closely linked, you can't separate the two. Anytime you read about wisdom, you read about understanding. And anytime you read about understanding, wisdom is going to be involved in there somehow, some way. So what is the foolishness solution? It literally is taking time to understand in this context. Now, trust me, there's a lot of other foolishness. We don't have solutions for all the foolishness. In this context, it is taking time to understand. So here's where I want to spend some time today. I want to talk about Six thoughts 
about understanding. Six things I have learned uh, pretty much the hard way about what it means to understand and what understanding will do for us in our leadership and in our in our lives. So I want you to write these down. You may want to uh, grab some paper and 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 take some notes here. And then when we're done, uh, I want to challenge you to pick out one or two of these and figure out what you can do to practice these every day uh, in your life and in your leadership. And, and I want you to kind of evaluate yourself on these things, how much you've thought about it or how much you do it, how much you practice it, you know, those kinds of things. But I want you to write these six things down and then, and then use this to challenge yourself here when we're done today. So six things to understand about understanding. Number one, and this is going to be, this is, this has been said so much that it's almost cliche. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi said this hundreds of years ago. Stephen Covey popularized by restating this phrase in his 1989 book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Here's the phrase. Seek first to understand and then be understood. Seek first to understand and then be understood. Part of our issue especially if we are a badged position, formal leader. Part of our issue is that we want to be understood. We get frustrated, man, when people don't listen to us. Um, I need them to listen to me. I need them to hear me. I need them to understand me, all those kinds of phrases. And, 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 and one of the best things you can do as a leader is to take time to understand and then be understood. I, I will say this is one of the this is why this is why Stephen Covey actually cited this as one of the habits of, of of effective people is because this is what effective people do is they shut up long enough to understand what's going on around them so that they can make wise decisions. Seek first to understand and then be understood. And again, part of our issue is we just want to be understood. Everybody wants to be understood. This is one of the innate needs of people is to feel like that somebody understands them, you see. But then when you add the badge and the title to it in a position of leadership, then it really just gets that much deeper. So take time to understand. Seek first to understand and then be understood. Number two, goes right along with it. Understanding will build your influence and your credibility. Understanding, taking time to understand will build your influence and your credibility. Now, I want you to think about this. If the people you lead, if their innate need is to be understood and you take time to listen and understand what is going to happen to your influence and what is going to happen to your credibility. First of all, you've humanized them and they are going to know that you care about hearing them. You care about listening to them. You care about what's inside them. You care about more than just simply getting crap done. So it builds your influence and it builds your credibility. Now, I want you to think of the opposite of this. When all you want to do is be heard and all you want to do is be understood, what happens to your influence and what happens to your credibility? And some of you have probably worked with leaders, you've worked around people, that that's all they really care about is just being understood and being heard. Well, when you take time to understand, it will build your influence and it will build your credibility. Along that, and this is not number three, it'll also build your capacity. It'll build your leadership capacity because now you have you, un, you have an understanding in which you can now move to a different level, you know, with that with that person. Gallup did this survey years ago, and they asked they asked uh, managers all over the world because that's Gallup. If they want to know an answer, they'll just 
ask the world. So they ask managers all the world, if, if somebody in your organization comes in late three out of five times, what do you do or how do you respond? And there was, there was, uh, there was this resounding answer of you write them up or you give them demerits or whatever the mode of operation was for that particular organization. But the way Gallup defined this was he said, most of them said, you write them up. And then there was another smaller percentage that said, you ask them why. See, that's taken time to understand. What happens to your credibility? What happens to your influence? When you take time to understand why somebody was late instead of just assuming you know and then jumping to some sort of disciplinary action. I need to know. Now, I want you to understand that I'm not saying that because I understand it, all of a sudden it justifies it or it makes it easier. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when I understand it, I can now deal with it and I can now respond to it in a much better, in a much better fashion. I'm not reacting now, I'm responding because I have something to respond to. So understand that understanding will actually build your influence and will build your credibility. All right, number three, to understand, we must listen. To understand, we must listen. We have to listen. And we don't just listen um, to figure out what our next response is going to be, or we don't just listen to build our case, or we don't just listen so we can speak our piece because it's my turn. We listen actively and we listen empathetically. And we really hear what the other person is saying to gain some sort of an understanding, again, in order to know how to deal with situations and to deal with people. So to understand, we have to listen. And, 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 and I will tell you this, I, I, I work with leaders a lot. And one of the key things that I hear oftentimes when when uh, people are evaluating their leaders, oftentimes I hear this whole idea is they just don't take time to listen. And they don't necessarily use phrases like they jump to conclusions or they act, uh, they react instead of respond. They don't say phrases like that. Those are phrases that it's my interpretation of what they're saying, but, but they do say that the leader just doesn't take time to listen. And when somebody feels like they're, they're not being listened to, it is going to make a difference, a huge difference in how that leader is going to be able to lead that person. It's going to make a huge difference in that leader's credibility and that leader's influence. So in order to understand, we have to listen empathetically and we have to actively listen. So in other words, I am going to look them in the eye and I'm going to ask clarifying questions. And if I don't understand something, I'm going to ask them to repeat it or say it in a different way. And then when they're done, I'm going to paraphrase, okay, this is what I think I heard you say to make sure that I have this clear understanding. Now, I'm not telling you I'm great at it. I'm not great at it at all, but it becomes a practice and I'm trying to get better and better and better at it. There was a study done years ago on top salesmen. Uh, actually, it wasn't done on top salesmen. It was done on salesmen in general. They wanted to know what is it that makes a salesperson a great salesperson. And so and, and this is just a piece of the study. This wasn't all that they, that they studied. And they found out that top salespeople in a discovery call, top salespeople in the initial discovery call will talk 46% of the time and listen 54% of the time. 
So they are listening way more than they're talking. The average salesperson then will talk 68% of the time and they'll listen 32% of the time. And the bottom salespeople talk 72% of the time and listen 28% of the time. And then, I, and then we sit and wonder why in the world we can't you know, make sales like somebody else can. So if I'm going to understand what that person needs, what that client, that potential client needs, I have to listen. I also have to ask the right questions, but I have to listen. I got to listen to what they need. And then again, ask clarifying questions and then paraphrase when I'm done at the end. So to understand, we have to listen. Number four, this is going to sound a little quirky, but I want to explain how this plays out. Believe 20% of what you hear before checking it out. Believe 20% of what you hear before checking it out. Now, let me tell you how this plays out. I want you to understand this, 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 this simple, simple concept before I get into this illustration. Each of us sees things that others don't see. So let that just sit there for a minute and then we'll come back to that, okay? So because you see something that I don't see, that means that I've got to believe about 20% of what I hear before I check it out. So here's how this scenario goes and tell me if this doesn't happen in every day of real life. Because every time I use this in person and I start down the road of this scenario, people immediately start nodding their heads like, yep, that happens uh, actually pretty often. So let's say, and I'm going to use letters here. Let's say person A is talking to person B um, about person C. All right, person A talking to person B about person C. Person A says to person B, hey, does person C, do they know everything that they need to know? Are they like the quintessential person for that role or do they... That, that, that what they do in their job, you know, uh, say they're a sales manager, do they know everything there is to know about being a sales manager? And person B then responds, of course, no, they don't know everything they need to know. I mean, that'd be pretty good, but they don't need, they don't know everything they need to know. So person A goes, oh, okay, well, you know, thank you for that. And so person A now goes to person D and says to person D, hey, I was talking to person B the other day and they said person C, uh, really just didn't know much about being a sales manager. Really kind of weird. I don't know. It just came up in conversation. And I said, well, do they know everything? They said, no, they really don't know much at all about being a. Wow. So person D goes, oh, I didn't know that. So person D now goes to person E because they're pretty good friends. They work together. You know, they're around each other. And so, so person D goes to person E and says, you know, I was talking to person A uh, the other day and uh, person A said that uh, person C is uh got a lot to learn, man. I guess they're really not cutting it at all. And they've got a lot to learn about doing what it is that they do. And then, and then person E didn't know that, of course, they're like, wow, I didn't ever heard that before. So person E now goes to person F and says, yeah, I don't know for sure what's going on, but I'm pretty sure that person C is uh, getting ready to get fired. Yeah, that's kind of what I heard is just, I guess they just really, really don't know at all about what they're doing. Now, person F is pretty good friends with person C. So person F goes to person C and says, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here for sure, but um, somehow, some way, this has kind of gotten around the organization here that you're going to really lose your job because you're kind of an idiot. They're going like, what? I said, yeah, I don't know. That's just what I heard. Now, if person C 
believes 100% of that as gospel truth, what happens to the relationship and what happens to the team environment in that entire organization? It doesn't work well at all. But if person C will believe 20% of what they heard before checking it out, they will find that that's not at all what was said in the first place. Now, obviously, for sake of illustration, I have exaggerated that. However, in your organizations and in your teams, you know as well as I do, that that is not exaggerated, man. That happens all the time. It happens to me in our Little League Football League often because I'll get these phone calls and these people are irate and they're jumping to conclusions or telling me these things people did and people said, and it turns out it's not at all what the reality was. It was their lens. It was their interpretation that they were interpreting what happened through the lens that they look through. So now I want to go back to this statement. Each of us sees things that others don't see. This is the same thing with, you know, four, you've heard this forever, four people standing on an Four people standing on each corner of an intersection, and there's a wreck in that intersection. And you get four different stories of what happened in that wreck. Were any of them wrong? Nope, none of them were wrong. They just interpreted based on how they saw it because each of us sees things that others don't see, you see? And in the scenario that I use from person A, B, and C and on the, through the line, nobody in that whole scenario lied. This is, and this is the hard thing about this. Nobody lied. They just simply interpreted what they heard through their own lens or through their own truth, you see. So I am not advocating when I say believe 20% of what you hear. I'm not saying call people liars when they show up with information. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to understand that they see something that others don't. I can only believe about 20% of that. And that actually may be a little conservative. I can only believe about 20% of that before I go and check it out. Hope that makes sense. Number five, practice curiosity. Real simple, practice curiosity. Practice curiosity. When I practice curiosity, I now live by the truth that differences are opportunities for learning. Uh, here's what I believe. I believe you're not gonna build your capacity as a leader you're not going to build your capacity as a, a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad. You're not going to enlarge your capacity until you begin to practice curiosity, practice curiosity. So th this is an interesting thing. You know, when we're young, when we're kids, man, we are curious about everything. And we ask a lot of questions to gain understanding, to gain knowledge. And we're curious. Now, we're not thinking when we're kids, I want to gain knowledge. I want to get it. That's not what we're thinking. We're just asking these questions because we're kids and we just don't know. So my, uh, you know, my two and a half year old granddaughter, Sloan, she will ask why about every single thing that we say to her. It doesn't matter what we say. She wants to know why. And she's curious. And then she'll ask these questions about these things. And you're just going like Sloan, everybody in the world knows that. But I got to remember, she's two and a half years old and she doesn't know everything, but she is practicing curiosity, man. And sometimes you just go, you just need to stop asking so many questions. Here's what I think happens. I think as adults, we stop being curious for two reasons. One is we think we know everything. And so when we think we know everything, then there'd be no reason to 
be curious about anything because I got this. I know this. So I think that's what happens as adults. Another thing that happens is we stop playing. And I think when we stop playing, then our curiosity level goes way down. And this one thing I'm going to start talking more about in uh, 2022 is playing, bringing play back to your day, um, adding play into your day somehow, some way. And, and I, I think the more we start to play, then the more our curiosity is peaked. Another thing that happens when you start practicing curiosity is you, you get a little less defensive. So it, it, if, if, if you and I are in a conversation and, and, and I, I, you say something that I don't agree with, if somebody doesn't agree with you, you know, how do you respond? Our first natural, normal inclination is to get defensive. Um, if somebody doesn't like my idea or they have a different idea, our, my first normal, natural inclination is to get defensive. But I want to start practicing curiosity. Uh, th 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 that stops. And so now when you disagree with me, I can now pause and go, okay, hold on, hold on. Tell me more about that. Tell me where that came from. Tell me how you see that. You see that differently than I do. I want to know more about that. So now I'm practicing curiosity. Defensive levels goes down. Because when I'm defensive and you're defensive, there's no communication going on. All we're trying to do is just defend our view. And we're not even looking for truth. We're looking for a confirmation of our own truth, you see. But when I practice curiosity, I am now looking to build my capacity. I don't see it the way you see it. Help me to understand that. Um, and there's a, there's a phrase that I learned a few years ago, and I went to a Harvard conference in, in Har at Harvard in Boston, and, and the people there used this phrase, disconfirming data, seeking disconfirming data. So what happens is that I have these assumptions, man, and, and my, my assumptions and, and my perception becomes my reality. Well, if I don't seek disconfirming data, that for, what will forever be the way I see things. It will forever be my own assumption. And it may be a wrong assumption. I don't know because I have not sought out the disconfirming data. And so I said this even just uh, two days ago in a session I was in with a team. I, I need you to disagree with me. I need you to push back. I need you to ask these clarifying questions because I am always looking for disconfirming data. What I say and the way I say it is not the end all be all. And, and I think sometimes because I'm the speaker, because I'm the one up front and I'm the quote unquote expert, which I am not, but people believe that because of what I do, that now they can't challenge, they can't question. I don't want you to take this for gospel. I want you to check it out. And I'm, I'm forever telling people, I am looking for disconfirming data. You know, another reason I am is because it helps me expand. It helps me grow. It helps me to build my capacity. And I've learned a lot by people pushing back and disagreeing and asking questions. So I need to practice, practice curiosity. Number six, you will not grow. You will not become wise unless you understand. You will not grow. You will not become wise unless you understand. Um, in fact, I will tell you this, that without a high level of understanding, you actually could be contributing to the problem. So you will not grow. We've talked about it all five. Uh, you see how all these kind of mesh together here. You will not grow and you will not become wise until you first take time to really, truly understand. So uh, hopefully you have all six of those written down. I'll just take a little bit here when we're done. And, and, and which one of those do you need to work on the most? 
Which one of those do you feel like uh, stands out to you as the one you probably need to pay the most attention to? And don't try to do them all, but just pick one. Go, that's probably the one right there I need to think about the most or I need to practice the most and begin to use these things to help you gain more of an understanding so you can make better decisions and, and you can uh, jump to conclusions less than what you have been doing. Now, before I go, before we sign off here, I want to talk just real quick about three things that I believe blocks our understanding. And, and, and as I've been talking here, um, and I created these notes, and then I started thinking there was one more actually that blocks understanding. I kind of alluded to it through the conversation, so hopefully you've kind of picked up on it already. And this is not one of the three, so, but this is a big one. Uh, busy will block understanding. And one of the reasons I think we jump to conclusions and we make these quick accusations is because we don't want to take the time to really understand because it really does take time. And so um, if I'm going to practice curiosity, it's going to it's going to cause the conversation to be a little bit longer. And sometimes we just don't have time for that. We don't take time for that, I should say. So that's a big thing. Busy is your enemy, man. Busy will get in the way of that. But here are three things, three, three, three things I believe that will block create, uh, block your understanding beyond just the whole busy thing is ego, arrogance, and insecurity. And I, I've used those three things for years as what I call enemies of leadership, ego, arrogance, and insecurity. And anytime any three or all three of those exist, you're going to do damage to your credibility and your influence, and you are not going to be able to lead people as effectively as if you get those things under control. And I also think that it blocks understanding. And here's how. When my ego gets in the way, I simply have to be right. I have to be right. Um, and I don't live by the principle, I have information and others have information. So therefore, I have to be right. I want to be right. And my own rightness can get in the way. And Stephen Covey talks about this rightness, your rightness. He talks about that in his book, Seven Habits. Um, but when my rightness gets in the way, I am not listening now. All I'm trying to do is defend my truth, and my truth is the truth, and I have to be right. That's an ego thing. Arrogance. I don't need to practice understanding. I don't need to practice curiosity because I already know it. Why in the world would I need to ask any further questions because I already know and I already have the answers? That's, that's arrogance. And then insecurity. I actually don't want to ask questions. I don't want you to disagree with me. I don't want you to push back because I actually might be wrong and I cannot stand to be wrong. Now, that's the difference and I have to be right. This is just, I don't want to be wrong because if I'm wrong, you might not like me. You might not respect me. You might not follow me. I, if I'm wrong, I'm actually lose my job. And so because of that insecurity, that lack of confidence that's there, and incidentally, confidence and humility are so intertwined that you can't separate those two. So in humility now, I can actually ask the question, okay, tell me more about that. Tell me if you disagree with me. I can say that in humility with confidence. I can't say that if I'm insecure. So I actually might be wrong. And I want to, I don't want to be wrong in the fear that uh, somebody, you know, may look down on me. People oftentimes don't want to seek the truth, but they want to seek confirmation of their truth. And when that gets in the way, I'm going to do some damage. So what about this can you take away? And what about this can you use to help you come to this foolishness 
solution. And I, I seriously thought about making a top 10 list for this for this episode. You know, I've made top 10 lists before and, and read them. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna make a top 10 list of the top 10 foolish things that I've said or foolish things that I've done. And I literally, I literally thought I, there's no way I could even cut it down to 10. And I couldn't even figure out which are like the top 10, because there's probably top 100. Um, because this stuff happens all the time. And I have to consciously, consciously be aware of the fact that I may not have all the answers and I may not fully understand. So what about this can you use? Uh, what about those six things do you need to practice in, in expanding your understanding and, um, and moving to a level to where now you become a little more wise because you're taking time to understand and you're taking time to figure things out and to really get it. I really hope this helps you to do just that. Mm -hmm.